With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is AC Slate. This is Murr Douglas from Power Man 5000. Hey, what's up? This is Johnny from Seether, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. Now being recorded. It's so dangerous, all this blamelessness, and I feel like I lost all the good I know. It's so dangerous, all this shamelessness, and I feel like Hey, headcases, welcome back to the shoe. This is Al, and you are on Voices in My Head. On this episode, we talked to John Humphrey. He's a drummer from Seether, also from the Nixons. We had a little bit of a background in where he started with the Nixons and going through what actually transpired during his tryouts for Seether and, you know, moving forward, looking through Seether and what's coming up in the future. Very cool interview. Very cool person. Enough of my bullshit. Let's listen in. Out of my head and into yours. We have John Humphrey from Seether on our podcast. Thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, I know you have a pretty extensive background in the music industry, starting off with the Nixons back in the 90s and fast-forwarding into Seether. Um, give us give us your starting off point with the Nixons. Sure. Sure, yeah. Uh, I was in a band called the Nixons. We were all from Oklahoma. Uh, I still live in Oklahoma, in fact. Um, it's my home and, um, uh, I've raised my family here and, and I've had friends I've had my whole life, uh, still do. Um, but yeah, the Nixons were from Oklahoma and, uh, it was formed at, uh, two of the guys went to the University of Oklahoma and it kind of started out as a cover band that, uh, slowly transformed into a band that started writing and recording its own material and, um, started touring you know, relentlessly, pretty much the, the southwest region of the United States. I joined that band in 1992, uh, and uh, they had been a band maybe for a couple of years. And I joined right as they were uh, uh, signing a, an independent record deal um, and starting to write their own music and, and basically touring nonstop uh, that sort of like I said, Southwest region, which would be Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Kansas. And, uh, you know, just built a following the old school way. Obviously, this was way before social media. So uh, word of mouth was just going out and, and, you know, opening for nationals or or playing venues, college campuses, and, and just, you know, building a following. And on that indie label, we had a, a sort of a, a hit regionally because back then radio stations sometimes would play unsigned bands and uh that song was called sister and uh yeah it did really well for us regionally and that's what landed us a, a major label deal because that was sort of the 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 plan 
back in those days, and that was to get a record label, to be signed to a major label. That was sort of the goal, the end goal. And we were signed to MCA Records in 1994, and uh, and it was great. A little bit of a bidding war, actually, because, like I said, Sister Regionally was sort of a hit for us, and we that indie release, you know, we sold about 15,000 CDs that we had, you know, manufactured ourselves and were selling either in stores or, you know, literally on on the road with us. And, uh, and a lot of labels took interest, and we signed with MCA and uh, recorded our first album with them, which included a re-recorded version of Sister, uh, which was the one that kind of went national or international, and, and Sister was the top 40 hit for us. But uh, the Nixons were just sort of, you know, a learning lesson in, in the business and the, how it all works, and like I said, building a following, uh, playing nonstop and getting a record deal, and then, you know, the first to, to play all over the country and have a chance to to open for some of your favorite bands. Uh, we, we we toured with Soul Asylum. We we toured with Kiss. When Kiss had um, their big reunion tour uh, in the '90s, we we opened for them for two weeks. We opened one of the Madison Square Garden shows, and it was it was a big deal. I'm also a Kiss fan on the side, so that was a pretty big deal. Not only to, oh, to cool. be in a band at the time, but you know the Kiss reunion was such a big thing, such a cool thing to be a part of. And, uh, you know, it was just sort of a, the classic story. We did two major label albums and, uh, and uh, eventually, uh, we were dropped from the record label and one of those trials and tribulations of being in a band. And, um, the band, uh, sort of, uh, disbanded really in, in 2000. And, uh, uh, I wouldn't say we ever announced a breakup. We just kind of went on hiatus, but, but we really just sort of went separate ways for a while. And the sound engineer uh, for us for all those many years uh, started working for Seether in 2003. And um, and so the Seether, the Nixon story sort of interconnects with the Seether story. So when the sound engineer started working for Seether and those guys, Sean and Dale, had just relocated to the United States and had their first album, Disclaimer, out, uh, their original drummer didn't, make the move to the U.S. with them. So they had a session guy do the first album, and they needed a, a permanent drummer. They had a couple of guys on the road. Uh, it just wasn't working out. So my, my sound engineer friend suggested, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing, looking for a gig. And he goes, well, I'm working for a band. I think they're great. I think stylistically you'd fit really well. Would you be interested in auditioning? And I went to Best Buy and picked up Disclaimer, and listened to it, learned it inside and out, and prepared for the audition. And that was in 2003. Now, looking at Seether, we'd like to hear some stories. You know, everybody hears the good stories. We'd like to hear both. We'd like to hear good and bad, more on the bad side, of course. Either way. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, it's when I joined the band initially, uh, you know, a lot of, I wouldn't say changes were going on, but like I said, I was, Oh gosh, third or fourth guy to come into the fold. Like I said, they had some touring guys that it just wasn't working out for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary Hired Gun, but uh, watched it and loved it. Yeah, Rob Zombie talks about you know you can be a killer musician, but a lot of it is about the hang and and that sort of vibe. Because yes, you've got to be talented, you've got to be able to do your part, you've got to be able to bring it, but 
it's also about living together. And it's like a relationship, like any relationship, marriage or otherwise. I mean, you live on a bus together, it's a small space. Uh, you're going to get on each other's nerves. But, I mean, really, it's about the hang. It's about being able to get along. And uh, so they, they had guys that were totally competent, you know, great drummers that maybe personally didn't work out for whatever reason. So that, that plays a big part in it. And, uh, and personality-wise, I, I think, and musically, it, it worked out for me, and I think it was a good fit. But anyway, there was, um, you know, I have great memories. So the first show was like in a little club in Riverside, California. I'll never forget. And uh, it, it wasn't sold out or anything, kind of a, a modest club show. And then our second show was Mexico City opening for Evanescence in front of 22,000 people. I had never been outside of the United States other than Canada. Um, the oh, Nixons wow. had never toured overseas, much less Mexico City. So that was – this was – I was so nervous. I, I had at my time – I had the iPod, my iPod, and I was listening to Disclaimer, learning it inside and out, which I had. But I'm still – you know, this is my second show. We're going to go out and open for Evanescence, and Evanescence was massive at the time. That was, you know, when they were just blowing up really big, and, and uh, Sean and Amy were seeing each other at the time. And, and so, anyway, it was just a massive show. I was so nervous, and luckily the show went great. Everything went well, but that was my second show. My first show was like in this little bitty club in California, and then my second show was in Mexico City. It was pretty crazy. And... Uh, and I remember they were sort of at the end of the Disclaimer tour, uh, and I know Sean especially was really anxious to get on to writing new material and work on the next album, which was to be Karma and Effect, and it would be my first full length. But before that, uh, we were going to re-record the uh, Broken. Broken was an acoustic song on, on Disclaimer, actually, and uh, they wanted to, to redo it and make it this sort of epic song for the Punisher soundtrack. And right, like right. I said, a Amy Amy and Sean were together at the time, so they wanted to figure out a duet uh sort of thing. So uh we recorded that at uh it used to be A and M Studios, but it's Henson Studios in California. It's a famous studio. It's like where they did We Are the World and, you know, a lot of a lot of famous sessions and stuff. Right. We are the world when you see all of them singing in the big studio, you know, that famous video, that was that was at that studio. We were in that room and doing Broken. And it was a great memory for me, but it was – I remember the frustration Sean was wanting to get on with the next album. And, and so here we're doing the soundtrack song, and it goes really well. And, the, and it becomes a modest hit. It does really well. So we immediately axed the plans of going ahead and starting recording Karma and Effect. Instead, we go overseas to Europe with Evanescence, and we open for them for the next nine months overseas. Oh, and, wow. uh Yeah, I mean, it was a great experience for me. Like, again, I had never been out of the country with the Nixons, and so this was my first time to be overseas, and, and Evanescence was just blowing up. It was huge. She'd come out every night, and we would do Broken, and, you know, it was really – you know, a lot of good times and, and great experience, and, and that really got our foot in the door internationally, really. And then, of course, we followed that up with Carmen Effect and, and Remedy, the single, the first single off of that. Uh, Love that did, song. Yeah, did really well for us. So, you know, um, I, I, I can't really talk ill of you know the whole broken experience. Uh, it really, I think, it did a lot, a lot of positive things for us, and. I have good memories of it, and it was 
it was a hectic time. It was a crazy time when I joined the band, but it was a lot of fun, too. Now, looking at 2020 passing us and 2021 is kind of a little fucking crazy, too. Has the writing process changed since this pandemic and all the crazy shit that's been going on? Although you did a really cool acoustic thing a couple of days ago. Thank you. Yeah, what had happened is typically when we uh, put out an album and being Cedar and, you know, being a rock band taboo, we, we usually tour, you know, 18 months to two years on an album cycle. It's just the way it works for us. And so the way it fell, we uh, wrapped up Poison the Parish tour at the end of 2018. And then 2019 was sort of a down year, uh, writing, getting ready to go into the studio. And at the end of 2019, we go into the studio to uh, record what becomes uh, See We Pock and Parabellum, the new album. So we finished it literally uh, at the end of January 2020. And it's in the can. It's done. Like I said, we spent 2019 pretty much off. Maybe we did a couple of festivals. I think there was a handful of shows, but we, we recorded the album, wrote the album, recorded the album, and we're all set to hit the road in March. Uh, and then, as as you know, that's right when the pandemic hit and the world went upside down. Everything changed on a dime, and all our great touring plans for the album, you know, starting March, April into summer, you know, everything was gone. And... uh and we just didn't, you know, what's what's happening here. We did decide to go ahead and put out the album. And uh, so we did that at the end of August. And um, and and so it, it, since then, we, we've done a live stream. Uh, you mentioned the acoustic performances we've done, those virtual acoustic performances, performances which uh, they're a lot of fun. We Those are recorded. Um, you know, each of us record our performance. And then we send it to... Uh, See, there's video guy. He does the editing and, and everything, puts them together, and then and, and those have been fun. I think it's great for the fans, and it's you know we, like Fine Again's the latest one. It's you know to play that older track. Uh, acoustic is fun. It, the acoustic thing has always sort of been a part of Seether with like One Cold Night, that acoustic live album. It's, it's sort of something that I think Seether's material transposes to acoustic pretty well, and uh, so so that's been fun to do. We talk about, you know, possibility of go ahead and maybe recording, you know, the next album while this is still going on. But we're very hopeful maybe as, you know, the vaccine comes along, uh, maybe shows will be possible by end of summer or uh, later this year. At least I hope. We do have a festival that is still scheduled uh, at the end of August. And, and so I'm, I'm still hoping that that's a, a jumping off point for maybe, you know, things kind of starting back up again. God, I hope so. Where's that at? Uh, I, believe, I believe it's Sacramento. Um, right. It's like a three-day festival. Um, um, and I think Metallica is on one day, and I forget which day we're playing, but that's in August, and that's a festival they decided to go ahead and announce, and, they're, you know, and for now, it's it's not postponed or canceled, so I'm really hopeful that that's maybe a goal to maybe the end of summer we could, you know, don't hold me to anything, but at least I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe we'll be, we'll be able to start doing shows again. Now here's Caesar with bag motherfucker.
Oh, God, I hope so. So what's the future for Cedar? Gosh, I mean, uh, just kind of sitting tight and, and hoping, uh, you know, that more shows could hopefully come to fruition. Uh, I'm, I'm really hopeful maybe, like I said, with that starting at the end of summer, man, I really hope fall and, you know, into late at the end of this year that we could really look at maybe doing shows. I miss playing so much, man. I, I mean, I promise I'll never take it for granted again, either going to a show or performing. I agree totally. And myself and everybody in the crew, we will never take this stuff for granted. We love you guys, and we can't wait to see another live show. Now, what's your most favorite Seether song to play? Oh, gosh. Uh, for Seether, it's, uh, you know, the uh, Gasoline. Uh, you know, it's, I have a sort of an interesting perspective in that I wasn't on the first album. I wasn't on Disclaimer. And like I said, that was the album I picked up at Best Buy and listened to and learned it inside and out. I learned it, you know, I wanted to know it so well I could play it in my sleep. And when I went in for the audition, they started calling off songs. And initially, I was supposed to learn like four songs for my audition. But I had listened to the old, the whole album and learned it all. And so we ended up playing like nine songs. And uh, the set list oh, they were awful. doing at the time. And, and I was hired pretty much on the spot. And that was uh, November of 03. It's been 17 years. I can't believe that. I've been with the band seven years. Now. <laughs> I just I feel so old. I mean, I can't believe it. But it's 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 been great. But Gasoline, it wasn't actually the first song I played with the band. Actually, technically, if you're ever in a trivia game, what which which song did John ever first play with? Uh, see, there was a song called Pride. Uh, kind of a tricky song that's off uh, disclaimer. But Gasoline is like. It was a show opener forever. It's like I have an interesting perspective, like I said, in that I didn't record the song. I'm a really a big fan of that first album. I think Disclaimer is a great album. And, oh, uh, yeah, for sure. And, and Gasoline starts off the album, and I just think it's a great song. It's always a great opener. It's always a great barometer of is this going to be a good night or, you know, I wouldn't say a bad night, but is this going to be on? Is the crowd going to be mild? Are they going to be off the hook? You know, Gasoline's always – like the barometer for that. And so, yeah, I have a, a special thing with, with Gasoline. That's always a fun song to play live. Now, looking on the flip side, what is the most challenging song to play? Oh, gosh. Uh, Words as Weapons uh, was a tricky song. We did that with Brendan O'Brien, and we overdubbed tons of, like, tribal – it's sort of a tribal drum sort of vibe. So uh, we, we played on – different elements for different sounds, different voicings. It's a big drum intro, and I had to sort of transpose that live. And, and um, Words as Weapons is, is, is kind of tricky. And that song I talked about earlier, Pride, the time signature changes in that song. It goes from 3-4 to 4-4, four, four, back to 3. So it's a, it's a tricky song. And so Pride is was a real challenging song, like I said. And I think Sean hit me with that very first out of the box. And like, is this guy going to keep up or, you know, are we moving along? Because uh, I was like the third or fourth guy they had auditioned that day, and I don't think it had been going too well. And, and luckily for me, it, it went well. But uh, Pride is a challenging song, and I know that's probably why he, he chose it to be the first one to kind of run through to see if I was going to keep up or not. This almost reminds me of a drummer version of the movie Rockstar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the gig then. Right? Oh, it's, <laughs> I love that movie. I don't know why. 
Oh, I love it. No, it's awesome. I know. I love that movie. The characters in it were awesome. Now, look at your drumming style. What type of player do you consider yourself as? I think, you know, I'm obviously, I'm a rock drummer. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy is what you call it, which means, you know, I don't think, I'm not flashy. Uh, you know, I don't overplay. There's not a bunch of drum fills in the music for Seether. I think it's important that, you know, as a drummer, that you support the music because Seether's music, the focus is is the lyrics and, and the melody. And uh, your job as drummer is to, is to you know, frame the song and, and to, you know, and, and to help lift parts, you know, and, uh, you know, if that's going from verse to, to pre-chorus or verse to chorus, it's your 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 job as drummer is to to frame the song and to and to add to it and, and make it you know memorable and if you can if you're lucky enough or you know because I I think that's important you know, a lot of drummers are you know or into the flash or hey look at me look at me you know uh, I it's not really my style I'm a little bit more about just playing what's what's needed for the song. And I've been very fortunate to work with some great producers, Brendan O'Brien, you know, I made out, he's, he's done some of my most favorite, you know, he did Pearl Jam versus he did, you know, uh, King's X, Dogman, some of my favorite albums. And I've worked with him and, and to have him go, man, you're a solid drummer or, you know, you great job, you know, to hear somebody like that tell you, you know, you're good and, uh, you know, keep it up kind of, it's, it's inspiring, you know, and, it means a lot. I always loved King's X. Now, there's something to be said about a pocket or a drummer that doesn't require, you know, the the lead drummer status. And that's what it kind of sounds like with you. And on the new album, I mean, you really shine, and it's a great album. Thank you. Thank you. And I think, it, you know, it's unique. Like, Dangerous has a unique drum pattern in the verses especially, it, which is, again, it just sort of, adds to the song and it, it 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 is straight it is solid but it it also you know it's a unique thing and it isn't about oh he did that crazy fill there or, or that really fat you know it's more musical uh i guess and and that's what you know again what i want to contribute to to the music to the songs you know uh as drummer for seether i mean uh, a drummer playing over the top it just wouldn't work for seether musically it just wouldn't work I think it would end up sounding sloppy. Yeah. It would um, get in the way of things. Stomp on the melody, stomp on lit vocals. And oh, oh, for sure. It just wouldn't work. just wouldn't work. You're still sponsored by Ludwig, right? Yes. Uh, right now, I'm, okay. yes, I'm with Ludwig and uh, uh, Sabian. Yeah. Symbols yep. and uh, Bigfoot Sticks and uh, Evans Drumhead. Looking at the years of touring that you've had, what was the most uh, memorable and greatest uh, venue that you played at? I, I would say, you know, really the dream and to be able to do it more than once was Madison Square Garden. And like I said, the first time I was able to do it was with the Nixons when we opened for Kiss. And when they did that reunion, reunion tour, it was just massive. Uh, they, they were, it was just the biggest tour of that year. They did four consecutive nights and they had different openers for each night. And they, uh, Instead of taking out like these massive, you know, like an Alice in Chains at the time or a Soundgarden, they took out smaller bands, uh, giving them a, 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 you know, a chance to play in front of these massive crowds. So it was 311 was another band, 
uh, Degeneration, I think, was one other. And, and they would rotate bands. But anyway, they had four nights, and we played the last night of those four nights. And my family came out, uh, flew my mom and dad out, and and to play Madison Square Garden, it, it was a dream. And then with Seether, we did the – then we went back. We, we opened for Audio Slave, uh, which was, you know, amazing. Chris Cornell and the guys from Rage and to play Madison Square Garden then. And then we did it one other time with Nickelback, opening for Nickelback. So it's nice. one of the most famous venues in the world and something you always dream about as a kid. At least I did. And so to say I've played Madison Square Garden two or three times, it, you know, it's pretty cool. Well, hearing that, I hope to God the stuff changes in 2021 and we start to see venues flourishing again and see you guys playing and, you know, all the other bands. Oh, yeah. You know. It's just been a, it's been brutal. And I know a lot of venues have struggled to stay open. I know we've lost some. And, uh, yep. and, I, and I pray that they, you know, they can hang tough a little longer and maybe, uh, you know, I know some relief is on the way for, for some, some venues and stuff. Uh, so I, I hope, I hope they're, you know, they can hang tough and we, you know, we can return, return soon. One thing I'd like to add, just sort of, we didn't touch on to my story is sure. that, uh, uh, you know, the re, the Nixons reunited in 2017. And, and so we started doing shows again and we had some great, you know, sold out shows in Oklahoma city and Dallas. And that led to, uh, recording new music and that led uh, led to an EP being released last year called Sonic Boom and it's just an EP of uh, five new songs which are really cool and actually the Nixons uh just recorded a live stream we're edit uh doing the editing now and putting it together and that should be out sometime in February but uh I know I left it off with the Nixons disbanded in 2000 but uh, like I said in 2017 we reunited I I didn't think we'd ever be able to get back together again we've kind of all gone our separate ways and uh but sure enough the the stars aligned and we were able to do some shows and it was great man um my kids i have two boys um uh, my oldest is 21 i have a 16 year old and they of, of course have grown up watching me play with Seether, but they had only seen the nixon videos on youtube and stories i've told so to do those reunion shows, and they were able to be there and actually see this other band that was sort of part of Dad's history, part of my life, and the band I was in before Cedar. It was cool for them to finally meet those guys and see that band play. Uh, it was a special thing. So it, it's kind of cool um, to also, in a way, kind of have the Nixons, you know, when opportunity allows, when Cedar's not on the road or touring. And my oldest son, Jackson's a drummer. Great drummer. Great oh, drummer, nice. And, and he fills in uh, for the Nixons if there's ever, like, a show booked and I'm on tour with Seether and I can't do the Nixon show, then my 21-year-old son, Jackson, will play drums in my place and and just kills it. It's great. Wow. It's kind of cool. Really that cool. Awesome. Yeah. Tell your son congratulations and tell him keep on keeping on. Oh, yeah, man. He's he's killer, and he shows me stuff. Wow. It's incredible. You know, to, that's, that's awesome. See, see this kid grow up and, and then just watch them, you know, become, you know, killer musicians in their own right. It's, it's just, it's amazing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.